We are about to start our service. Please join us in the sanctuary now for a great time of worshiping our God.
Good morning. I'll just ask you to all stand this morning as we get into worship. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that happened last night, and things look di different this morning, so Jeff Enns graciously offered to step in this morning, so we just thank him for that. It's great having him here again. Um, let's all just say hi to someone around you, and we'll get right into worship this morning.
Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Let's sing that again. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of all. Darkness seems to hide His face. I rest on His unchanging grace. High and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. My anchor holds within the veil. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the same.
that chorus just one more time. Christ alone, cornerstone, we excited to announce that they will once again be participating in winter retreats at Camp Crossroads in 2024. To help support our youth and lower the cost, we will be holding a dessert auction and bake sale November 19th after the morning service. And we are hoping that you will be able to help us. If you are interested in baking desserts for the auction or bake sale, please contact Renee Rushlow, our child and youth director. And if you are interested in purchasing delicious baked goods, please come to the event, spend generously, and know that you are helping us to engage, connect, and make memories that could last a lifetime with your youth. Please join us at The Hub, which is just outside the sanctuary doors. If you are here visiting and someone there will be happy to welcome you with a small gift and can answer any of your questions. If you have any questions in general about the going-ons at church, please pop by The Hub and they can point you in the right direction. You can head over to the Hub after the service. Did you know the Meadowbrook app is available in the App Store and Google Play Store? The app is the one-stop destination for everything Meadowbrook has to offer online and the best way to get connected and stay up to speed with everything going on at Meadowbrook. So if you don't have the app yet, get it today. Hello, Meadowbrook Fellowship in Leamington. My name is Vladimir. And I received my shoebox gift when I was only nine years old, living in Kiev, Ukraine, where sharing the gospel was not popular or allowed. My family often faced persecution because of sharing the gospel, as well as poverty. We often lacked basic necessities, such as hygiene items, clothes, and even food. And due to our poverty, we could not afford toys. But one day, one special day, all of that changed when I received my beautiful shoebox gift. It was my first gift ever. And my favorite item inside was a dental floss. God used this simple dental floss to show me his unconditional love. We are so grateful for your longtime partnership with Operation Christmas Child. It's a central drop-off location. Let me tell you, your hard work does not go unnoticed. May God bless you all. Bye-bye. Thank you to everyone who has brought in their shoeboxes in. We're going to have the kids come up before they're dismissed today. All the kids can come up. You're going to lay your hands on the shoeboxes, and we're going to pray over them this morning. Okay? Come on up. Uh, Meadowbrook will be collecting shoeboxes from other churches during this week um, all across the county, right from Tilbury all the way to LaSalle. They'll be bringing their shoeboxes to the church here. We'll gather them up and we'll send them off in a truck. So if you haven't brought your box yet, next Saturday or Sunday, any anytime during the week, but next Saturday and Sunday is the latest, latest, latest because the truck comes on Monday and then the boxes are sent um, away. Okay, are we ready? Let's pray. Father God, Father God, um, 
we we've done our part. We filled these shoe boxes as as has been asked, and we just pray over these boxes, Father God, that that you would go with them, that you would open borders, you would open the minds of even the leaders of the countries, but you definitely would open the minds and the hearts of the children who receive them. Thank you for all the volunteers. There's so many people behind the scenes. Bless them all, I pray. But as the as these kids get a chance to, to go through the greatest journey, I just pray that they would see, as we sang this morning, that they would see that you are the cornerstone. You are the solid rock. You can be their foundation. So we just lift these boxes up to you. Do as only you can do. You are the awesome God. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so all the kids from grades, see, uh, senior kindergarten and on can go with Miss Amy. Junior highs are going to stay here with us.
Before we go to prayer for the offering, I'd like to take a moment and remember those who have gone before us in our country. Yesterday was Remembrance Day, and uh, even though we are a church that believes in peace, we believe that God is in control of all things, and war is not his best plan, but man sometimes gets in the way of his plans. And uh, so we want to take a moment of silence and just remember those who have gone before us, those who have paid their, the price of their lives so that we can have freedom in the country we had live in. And so let's just have a moment of silence. Dear Lord, we come before you this morning, 
and we want to acknowledge the fact that you are God Almighty, that through your death, your resurrection, we have hope in an eternal home in heaven with you. Lord, we praise and thank you for the country we live in and the freedoms that we have. Lord, we acknowledge that there's war in this world and there's wars going on right now. Lord, we pray for those countries that are at war. We pray for peace. We pray for restoration. We also pray, Lord, for those who have gone before us, who have paid the price of their lives so that we can have freedom. We pray, Lord, that you would bless those in our armed services, that you would bless those who are serving you faithfully. Lord, and we acknowledge again that you have paid the ultimate price for each one of us, and that is your death for us. And we praise and thank you for that. We thank you for this, your local church, Lord. And as we give our tithes and offerings this morning, we know that all of it comes from you, and we are just giving back a portion to you. And so we want to do that this morning, and we pray this in thy precious name. Amen. All right, you can go ahead and have a seat. Up on the screen, you will see that there are ways to give. If you're here in person this morning and you want to give uh, physically, uh, there is an offering box in the back that you can donate, put your donation in. All right, and uh, next we want to talk a little bit about, these words should all be familiar to each one of us. We should have them memorized by now. We should uh, eat with them, sleep with them, uh, get to know them but upward, inward, outward, helping people take their next steps with Jesus. And I just want to take a moment and thank each and every one of you who attends this church for the fact that you are acknowledging these steps in your life, that you are going upward in your relationship with Jesus, that you're going inward and looking at things that have happened in your life and how that you can build on those, and the fact that you're going outward in your relationship with others. Things like uh, Friday night, we had a trivia night where the young adults put on a, a trivia night. And there weren't a lot of us there, but we had a lot of fun. Yep. And uh, Saturday morning, we had a men's breakfast. And uh, we had a lot of fun there, too. Uh, we did a lot of inward soul-searching then. But those are just two examples of how people have stepped up in this church, and we are engaging with each other. And we are building into each other's lives. Uh, and it's so neat to see what is going on in this church. Uh, and so I just want to say a thank you to each one of you. All right, the next thing I want to mention is the fact that uh, a while ago we heard something about a candidate coming to our church. And then we heard something about a baby that might be coming to our church. All right, and so this morning I can happily announce that the baby and the family will be coming December 2nd, 3rd weekend. Uh, as most of you know or will remember, um, when a baby comes into the life of a family, uh, it changes things. Uh, and so for them, uh, adjustments have to take place. Uh, now, as parents, I will just make a comment that they have three children now. And uh, so as parents, they're now outnumbered. And so uh, it's a struggle. And so they have acknowledged that uh, it has been a struggle, uh, but God has been good to them. They have spent a lot of time in prayer as a result of all the emotions that had come with uh, the third child. And so they are more than happy to come and uh, candidate with us that weekend. Uh, 
moving forward in the next week, we'll have a weekend update. We'll have other updates explaining again what's going on that weekend. That is also the weekend that we want to celebrate uh, our Christmas banquet, which we normally have at its Christmas lunch uh, on the 3rd. So everybody will be welcome on December 3rd to, uh, to have a, uh, a lunch with them and get to know them a little bit better. So please be in prayer for them as well as us as the Lord continues to guide us uh, in, this, uh, in this area uh, and with taking our next steps. One of the um, aspects of uh, values that we have as a church is adaptability. And so this is a perfect example of adaptability and how uh, we have to be flexible. Uh, because we can always make plans, but the Lord can certainly change them. And this morning is another perfect example of adaptability. We have had some uh, changes happen very recently. Uh, we were supposed to have a guest speaker, Ryan Yancey, who is our conference uh, minister. And uh, he is uh, sick, and so he is not able to be here this morning. And so there's a guy in our church who I have connected with a number of times, and uh, Lowell Froze, if you want to come forward. Uh, poor Lowell has been on the schedule for speaking uh, on and off probably five or six times. <laughs> and uh, he has been very flexible, very adaptable, and... Uh, on short notice, yesterday afternoon, after Ryan contacted me, I contacted Lowell, and Lowell said, sure. Let's give Lowell a hand. So it is just amazing how, again, we have stepped up. And uh, let's just pray for Lowell this morning and uh, see what the Lord has laid on his heart. Dear Lord, we come before you this morning, and again, we praise and thank you for the fact that this is your church. And even though we make plans and we have many things that we would like to happen and it just so it goes so organized and so perfect, uh, you have the perfect plan. And for this morning, Lord, Lowell is that perfect plan. And we praise and thank you for him, his willingness to get up here and speak. And uh, we just pray, Lord, that again, he will be speaking your words, not his own. We pray this all, Lord, in the precious name. Amen. Thank you, Greg. <clears throat> now, Greg kind of stole my thunder a little bit with what I was going to start with. He mentioned the trivia night on Friday night. And he was being humble. He didn't. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it a step further. And I'm, I'm thankful for the young adults for the trivia night and the work they did. The only thing was there was no prize for the winner. And although the competition was very close, uh, each round it went back and forth between tables who had the lead, and it got down to two tables at the end, and then it went to extra, extra time or an extra round to determine the winner. And, uh, and it was close <laughs> again, but one table won. And the winning table was, it consisted of Xander, Nathan, Greg and Dolores, and Marlene and myself. <laughs> no, it was, it was an amazing night. And I'll tell you, if it wasn't for Xander, we probably wouldn't have got as far as we did. Um... 
all those office questions were beyond my wife, myself, and Greg and Dolores. So it was a good night. And yes, thank you so much, young adults, for the work you put into that night. I am a games person, and so I really enjoy those nights. <clears throat> all right. Today I want to talk to you about, and the title of my message is, The Cost of Fear. We live in a world of fear. And if you don't believe me, all you have to do is go on to Google, type in phobias. And there are so many phobias in this world. And, if you're, and please excuse me today, I'm going to be using my phone a little bit more than I normally do on a Sunday morning. Um, let me give you the definition of a phobia. It's an extreme or irrational fear of an aversion to something. And I'm going to give you a couple examples of phobias. And I, some of them might be a little bit comical, but realize that these phobias are real. And so, for many of you, probably in this room, you probably deal with nomophobia. You probably, at times, have gotten into your car in the morning, and then you realize you're searching your pockets. Where's my phone? Where's my phone? Hun, honey, call my phone. I need to know where my phone is. Nomophobia is the fear of being without your phone. Okay? Um, for some of you, claustrophobia is something you know about, right? It's the fear of confined spaces. So any of you who would have a house that has a crawl space underneath it, and if you're somebody who gets claustrophobic, you're not going down there no matter what. Because you might get stuck. Somebody with claustrophobia probably is not going to take the elevator. They're probably going to take the stairs. Because being in an elevator, it's too confined. There's uh, agoraphobia. It's the fear of public spaces and crowds. For some of us, we say, um, we use the word introverted. <laughs> and then there's, I won't give you the actual phobia, but you got the fear of being alone. The fear of failure, the fear of imperfection, the fear of disorder or untidiness, the fear of numbers. Obviously, you're not going to be a math student then. How many of you know what arachnophobia is? And I would say, raise your hand, but then I wouldn't want your wife to look at you and say, Honey, you're afraid of spiders? 
is that the, is that the reason why I always have to kill them? There's a fear of flowers. There are people who are afraid of flowers. There's a fear of riding in cars. And that can be our wives sometimes. <laughs> Not that we're bad drivers, it's just... Yeah. Some of you men know what I'm talking about. I know you do. You know, there's a fear of chickens, a fear of cats, a fear of needles or pointed objects. A fear of books, bibliophobia. Uh, the fear of ugliness. The fear of colors. You want everything in black and white. The fear of clowns. There's actually a fear of houses. I don't know how that works for somebody. Do they stay in an apartment then? I, I don't know. The fear of knees. The fear of knees. Fear of rooms full of people. Obviously, you guys are okay. <laughs> the fear of paper. There's even a fear of money. I want to be a friend with that guy. I'll take it off his hands all day long. <laughs> and I could go on and on and on. One of my favorites is Venustrophobia. And it's a fear of a beautiful woman. I would say it's maybe they should change it to fear of a wife. And again, if you're a husband, you kind of understand that. You forget an anniversary. You forget her birthday. You forget a Valentine's gift. Or, you know, you, your wife tells you, you can see she's mad at you. And you have no idea why. And you just are in fear trying to rack your brain. Why is she mad at me? But we live in a world of fear. And believe it or not, the last one that I want to share with you is a fear of church. Ecclesiophobia. It's a fear of church. It's either a fear of the church building itself or the practices that happen within the church. What goes on within the church. <laughs> well, now it's probably a fear of embarrassment. <laughs> 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 
We're all loving here. We can forget that that phone even rang. But yes, we live in a world of fear. And I want to take you to a story today in the, in the Old Testament. It's actually found in Numbers. And it's going to be in Numbers chapter... Numbers chapter 13 and chapter 14. Now, obviously, I'm not going to read all of that today. But as you take a look at that, you'll, you'll, some of you might recognize the story. It's the, and, uh, and if you don't recognize the story, I'm going to break out into song here. Because this story reminds me of a song that I grew up singing in Sunday school. And, uh, and I know the last time I was preaching, there was one gentleman when I said that I, that I would admit that I like to sing, he's, he's wanted to hear me sing ever since. So I don't know if he's here today, but if he is, you're going to get to hear me, Tegan. <laughs> Twelve men went to spy on Canaan, ten were bad and two were good. What did they see when they spied on Canaan? Ten were bad and two were good. Some saw giants big and tall. Some saw grapes and clusters fall. Some saw God was in it all. Ten were bad and two were good. And that is very significant to the story, that ten were bad and two were good. Because as we read the story, we find out that the ten give a bad report, and the two are gung-ho to take the land. But leading up to that, in verse 13, just to give you a little bit of background before we actually talk about the reports that were given... The Lord comes to Moses in the beginning of chapter 13. In verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I have given to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. And actually, I missed a and the, the significance there is where it says, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. Now, I don't know when Moses went to go talk to the people he chose for this spy mission. I don't know if he told these people that God was giving them the land. But Moses knew that this land was ripe for the taking. That the Lord had already assured him that this land would be the Israelites. So why, why send out the spies? Why send them out? 
why, why do we plan our vacations? Why do we plan our weeks? Why do we put together a menu for the meals we're going to eat? We want to be prepared. We want to know what we're getting into. And God, he's not a foolish God. He knows the heart of men. And so it was important that he would, that Moses would send out these men to spy out the land. So that these men knew what the land of Canaan looked like. And if you continue reading that, the chapter, chapter 13, we find there were certain things they were supposed to look for. So they were supposed to check out the inhabitants of the land. Were they, were they strong or weak? Were they few or many? They were supposed to check out the countryside, whether the land was good or bad. They were to see whether the inhabitants of the land lived in tents or in walled cities. And they were to assess whether the land was productive or unproductive. And it says, for 40 days, these 12 spies spied out the land of Canaan, trying to answer all those questions that they were given. And when they came back, they were to give a report. And that's what, where I want to start reading today. In uh, chapter 13, verse 26... It says, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly. So everybody was there. Everybody was there to hear this report. And showed them the fruit of the land. Now, if you go a few verses before that, it actually tells you what the fruit looked like. It talks about how there was a, grapes of clust a cluster of grapes that had to be carried on a pole between two people. Imagine the size of those grapes. That it had to take two men to carry a cluster. We go into the grocery store and we could probably pick it up between our pinky and our thumbs. So obviously the land was very fruitful. It was very productive, very fertile. And so they showed them this fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. 
Now, for those of you who don't, under, don't know who the descendants of Anak were, the descendants of An- Anak were considered giants. They were considered giants. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. And this next part, I'm not sure, because at this point, the report sounds pretty good, right? There doesn't seem to be anything wrong with the report up until now. They've answered kind of all the questions that they were given when they were sent out to spy on the land. But it's like Caleb knew that something more was coming, and, and Caleb steps in, And he says, and it says, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Now, I don't know if Caleb and Joshua, who was the other good spy, I don't know if they had heard the other 10 spies complaining about how big these people were and how strong they looked and whether or not they thought that if if they just let them continue sharing their report, it was just going to go down, 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 down. And Caleb just jumps in there, silences everybody and says, listen, guys. We can take this land. We can take it. It's ours for the taking. But sadly, which is often the case in a a lot of situations, it's the majority, in this case, who has the strongest effect on everybody else. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. We could probably say a fearful report. about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. And again, they make reference to the descendants of Anak. We, and they say, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Can you sense the fear in these ten spies? They were so focused on the giants. They were so focused on the walled cities. Verse 
and fear gripped them that if they were to go and attack, they would surely be devoured like everybody else gets devoured in that land. Chapter 14, it says, That night all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly said to them, Oh, if only we had died in Egypt or in this desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a a leader and go back. Go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly. Gathered there, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephonine. I'm not even sure if I pronounced that right. Who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes, and said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land. A land flowing with milk and honey. And will give it to us. He will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Caleb has turned the script. The bad spy says, oh, we're going to be devoured by them. Caleb comes back and he says, no, we're going to swallow them up. If you don't rebel, if you obey God, if you're not afraid, if we allow the Lord to lead us, we will find victory. And he says, do not... It says their protection is gone. But... The Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. That's the response they get for telling the people, listen, we have the Lord on our side. Why are you afraid? 
And the only thought the assembly had was to stone them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of the meeting to all the Israelites. The Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the miraculous signs I am performing among them? I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them. But I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear about it. By your power you brought these people up from among them, and they will tell the inhabitants of this land, this land about it. They have already heard that you, O Lord, are with these people and that you, O Lord, have been seen face to face, that your cloud stays over them and that you will go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. You hear what Moses is saying? He's saying, listen, Lord, if you destroy these people, then what are the Egyptians going to say about you? Because right now the Egyptians are saying that you lead these people, that you are with these people, that you protect these people. You lead them by, with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. The Egyptians already have this picture of a God that is mightier than their own. They understand who this God is. And yet the Israelites themselves don't seem to get it. And you can see how God would be so frustrated with them. With their fear. Moses continues, he says, If you put these people to death, all at one time the nations will have heard this report about you and will say the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land he promised them on oath. So he slaughtered them in the desert. Now may the Lord's strength be displayed just as you have declared. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sins of their fathers to the third and fourth generation. In accordance with your great love, forgive the sins of these people, just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. It's interesting how 
throughout Scripture, we have people who plead with the Lord to forgive the people, who plead with the Lord to have mercy on the people. You know, Abraham was the first one when it came to Sodom and Gomorrah. What did he do? Lord, don't destroy it yet, but if there is at least 15 people in those cities, will you destroy it? 15 people that love you, will you destroy it? And the Lord says, no, I won't. Abraham says, okay, well, what about 10? And the Lord says, no, I won't. What about five, Lord? What about five? No, I won't destroy it. We all, we, for those of you who don't know the story, Sodom and Gomorrah came to destruction because there was no one. No one in those cities that wanted to have anything to do with God. And here we have Moses pleading for his people. He says, Lord, don't be so haste. Think about this. Yes, your people are sinful people. Yes, your people are rebellious people. Yes, your people are fearful people. But think about this. And the Lord says, I have forgiven them. But he says, but they still need to be punished. We all know that when we make mistakes, there's consequences. As parents, when our children disobey us, there's discipline that needs to happen. And it's no different with God. There's another song I learned as a child in Sunday school. It was called, My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big. So strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. The mountains are his, the rivers that flow, the stars are his handiwork too. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. You see... The ten spies, with their bad report, with their fear of these giants, 
their fear of being devoured. It wasn't just them that was affected. But their fear affected the whole assembly. And their focus was on the giants and not on a God that is much bigger. There's another song I heard a lot growing up. I believe it was my mom's favorite. I won't sing it, but I'll read it to you. Bigger than all the shadows that fall across my path, God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. He's bigger than all my confusion, bigger than anything. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my problems, bigger than all my fears. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my questions, bigger than anything. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all the giants of pain and unbelief. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than any hang-ups. Bigger than anything. My God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Fear. We all live with it. And there's consequences to our fear. The biggest consequence of our fear is it doesn't allow us to walk in the way of the Lord the way the Lord intended. We have verses in the Bible where it says he has started a good work in us and that he wants to complete it. But it's hard for him to complete his work when we live in fear. Whether that fear is giving our lives over to Jesus, whether that fear is a fear of failure, whether that fear is a a fear of letting people down, Many of you have already heard that I resigned. And some of you probably haven't. I resigned as chaplain at the home. And I'm not going to go into details. And I just want you to know it was not something I wanted to do. But in that moment, there was a fear that gripped me. just coming to church, and if anybody had heard whether or not those people would look at me differently, whether I would still be treated as as someone loved by this community of believers. And I'm thankful for this church, 
Because just the opposite happened. And it was because of your love for me and your support and your prayers that I'm able to walk in freedom from the fear that I felt when I first had to resign. But I could have. I could have let that fear consume me. And I could have distanced myself from the church. I could have distanced myself from people. I could have pulled back into my shell and just want to be alone and feel pity and feel sorry and and get to a point where Maybe I would just walk away from it all. And fear can do that. We talked about these phobias. And like I said, as silly as some of them sound, they're symptoms. When these people who are afraid of flowers... And when they, have, they see a flower, if somebody is presenting them a flower, their breathing changes. Their heart begins to race. They become panicked. For some of them, they probably become paralyzed in place because they're so afraid. But we serve a bigger God. We serve a bigger God. And he will free us from those fears. He will free us from those uncertainties in life. He will continue to work out in us what he has started The only question is, are you willing for him to work it out? Do you want him to complete that work? In Jeremiah, it talks about how he has this plan set out for us, and it's not to harm us, right? But it's to give us a hope and a future. Do we believe that? Because when we live in fear, it's hard to believe that. When we live in fear, we get stuck. And it's hard to move forward. And I guess so the the question for you this morning is, Are you afraid of something? Are you fearful? I know for some people, the thought of giving their life over to Christ is a terrible, fearful thing. Because for those people, there's an uncertainty in that. (laughs) 
It's hard to believe in somebody you can't see. It's hard to believe in somebody that you believe has never been working in your life. Worship team, if you want to come forward. In the story that I was reading to you, the consequences, the Lord listened to Moses and and the consequence of the fear that those ten spies brought upon the assembly of Israelites, the cost of their fear was they, every male adult, 20 years and older, would wander in the desert until they all dropped dead. Except for Caleb and Joshua. The cost of fear caused the Israelites to have to wander in the desert longer than the Lord ever anticipated. So how many of you are walking in the desert today because of fear? Those men never got to see the promised land. They never got to eat whatever size grape. They never got to taste the milk and honey. They never got to experience the power of God when Joshua walked around the city of Jericho. If there's one verse I want to leave with you today, it's this. It's found in 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 7. For I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and of sound mind. Caleb and Joshua understood that. Caleb and Joshua saw the power of God. They knew they could take the land. There was no fear in them. And yet even though they had no fear, they still had to wander in the desert because of the fear of others longer than they needed to. Let's not allow fear to be rooted in our lives. Whether it's the fear of death, whether it's the fear of giving your life over to Christ, whether it's the fear of losing your job because you know the right thing to do is not the popular thing to do. 
the fear of certain curriculum that might come into the public schools. I've, I've been there. I've seen the fear of parents when that new sex ed curriculum came in. Every, a lot of parents, we're not going to the public school anymore. We're going to do homeschooling. We're going to go to Cornerstone. We're going to go to a Christian school. We're going to, we're, we're going to, we're going to get out of here. Fear is a strong driving point in life. Don't let it be. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning. And we know that we live in a world that is driven by fear a lot of the times. Lord, we have seen examples in your word, whether it's whether it's with David and Goliath. David seeing the fear of the Israelites and realizing, you guys are such cowards. I'm going to take this guy on. I know the power of God. Whether it's Daniel knowing that a degree had been stamped by the king that no one should bow or pray to any other god but the god of Nebuchadnezzar. And yet he went to his room every day to that open window and he prayed to the one true God. A God that he knew was bigger than the lion's den. The example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Lord, could have been driven by fear from seeing that fiery furnace, knowing that their lives would come to an end. But they saw you as bigger than the fiery furnace. And Lord, we have examples of those who were fearful and you forgave them. Lord, we thank you for the example of Peter denying you three times, fearful for his life, and yet you redeemed him, and he became a mighty warrior for you. He became a huge part of the early church. So, Lord, I thank you that you're bigger than our fears. And I thank you that you can redeem us, that we can be forgiven, and that we can get unstuck, that we can continue to move forward for your kingdom and for your glory and for your purpose, knowing that you go before us leading the way. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Lowell, for delivering the message this morning. It was on such short notice, too. It was such a great reminder for us that God is just so much bigger than anything that is in our way. So thank you so much. This time, I'll just ask you guys to please stand and uh, call the prayer team forward. 
Um, these guys would love to pray for you. Um, there's no such thing as a prayer that's too small or insignificant. Um, even if you're if you're in a season of sadness or joy, just, I just urge you to come forward regardless. So, and we'll get into our next song.
powerful message, eh? What a powerful message. Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you that when we stand in the light with you and with others and we choose to not have any secrets where the enemy can hide, our fear also can diminish. Father, I just pray today for all of us where there's areas of fear that we will be willing to stand open before you and honest before you and that we will allow you to shine any light where we are battling, where, where we are either wounded, where we are, where we don't see who you truly are and where we don't see who you say we are or we don't believe. For whatever reason, Lord, there's so many reasons. This world is full of hurt. We've been full of hurt. There's abuse. There's all of that. But Father, I ask in the name of Jesus today that you would bring healing to us. And Father, that you would touch our chin and tilt it up to look you in the face because in your presence there is no fear and so God I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would drive out all fear and Father for those of us who are fearful I just pray Father that you would continue to walk with us to the place where we can become free of fear there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk by the spirit and not by the flesh and so Father would you just cause us to walk in the spirit and not by the flesh and to walk in full freedom And God, thank you for your grace and your mercy on us and for restoring us, for encouraging us, for making us people of courage. Father, would you give us boldness to believe who you are? 
Father, cause us to be courageous to rise up and believe who you say we are, not because of us, but because of who you are. So God, establish our identity in you, that our value is fully established at the cross. It is not established whether people like us or we get the outcomes that we would like, but it's fully established at the cross. You love us no matter what. And so, Father, I just thank you for your goodness this morning. I thank you for your mercy here this morning, Father. I just thank you for every person that heard your word today and is willing to apply it. I pray that you would this week walk with them and give them freedom. Father, I bless these people in mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to continue to pray for people up here. So if you're wanting to come to pray, if you please don't hesitate to pray. There's so much power in people praying for you. But if you are not going to pray, we ask that you go and do your visit out there. And we're going to keep this open for prayer. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for coming.